Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. I think that they have to say, okay, we're in the relationship business. We can get people to, to comply, providing that, that we form the kind of relationship which is mutually supportive with them. People will do basically what you want them to do, providing that they feel that that will benefit a, a supportive relationship. Welcome to the Jersey Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the Jersey Professional Magazine and the Jersey Professional Online. And today we have Dr. Bob Murray from Fortinbury Murray. Hi, how are you Hi. doing? I think I'll probably survive. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, I know post-Royal Commission, um, the real critical question that I want to just jump right into is how have conversations around culture changed? Around culture, well, that's mm-hmm. a very interesting thing. Um, there's less being talked about about culture mm-hmm. at the moment uh, than there was before. Um, culture is supposed to be the thing that's going to rescue the banking industry and everything else. We're all going to change our culture. We're all going to be different and all the rest of it. The interesting thing that I have found working with the banks uh, in the uh, in, over the last um, oh five or six months. Uh, is that uh, the conversation is now less about culture, more about profit. Um, how are we going to recoup the profits that we're going to lose? How are we going to re-get our executive bonuses? How are we going to, to uh, get back everything that we've lost from the Royal Commission? Uh, that's the conversations I hear in the boardroom and uh, down from there. So it's safe to say that compliance professionals are not getting the resourcing that, they're, that they need even after everything that's been uncovered. Oh, absolutely not. What I'm hearing is sort of that resource uh, professionals are being cut back and cut back and cut back and the, and the uh, resources that they have uh, are being cut back mm-hmm. and cut back. So you have a diminution of people um, because they're, in a sense, the easiest to cut. You know, it doesn't really hurt the bank that much if you cut um, half of their their um, compliance professionals uh, or their risk professionals. Uh, it but it um, makes a difference to the PNL. But why do you think that even after all that's been covered by the Royal Commission, the app report that came out recently, our organization's not taking this conversation about culture and conduct a bit more seriously? Because it's, uh, it's not what they care about. Uh, the average executive um, who's make, taking home, well, let's say the average CEO for a minute, um, who's taking home millions of dollars a year, I mean, literally obscene millions a year, um, the only thing that comes on his horizon is, am I making as much as the other ba- as the other bank CEOs? How can I make sure that I make as much as the other bank CEOs? Um, how can I uh, prune as much as many dollars as I possibly can uh, out of the uh, my existing uh, expenditure? And these are the th- sort of things which interest which interest them. And then, as a kind of a second thought from that, uh, how can I uh, get my uh, PR department to um, to make it look as if we're trying to do something on culture, when in fact we're not? 
So that might be what is happening when we see certain financial institutions appearing in the financial review saying, you know, trust is our new... Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Trust in what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I read these things with a kind of a jaundiced smile on my face, I guess. Um, because I've, I've seen this so often in other institutions. Um, they get a really bad rap. Um, you know, like some of the big banks in America. They get a really, really bad rap. Um, they're pilloried in all, in all the uh, papers and all the online mags and everything else. Um, and what happens? Uh, about six months later, um, it's all back to where it was. Sure, the scams are different. <laughs> They've got different scams up there, but there are still scams. Right. So in that kind of environment um, where risk and compliance professionals, you know, they need to be able to influence across the organization to change the behavior. Mm. How can they do that without the support? Well, that, that's a good question. Uh, and it's been the, 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 the question right from the start, hasn't it? Um, how does a, uh, a risk and compliance professional, uh, how do they... Um, how do they actually influence? How do they change? How do they get people to actually listen to them? Uh, the pity of it is, is that they have a fantastic story to tell, which the bank executive should be listening to. Uh, the fantastic story that they have to tell is that a concentration on governance, on uh, risk, uh, means that you'll actually uh, create a, a better culture. Uh, and if you can show that, that what you're trying to do is not to throw the executives in jail or anything like this, but rather to actually help them uh, and get their trust in that way, then you can start to, to, to influence at the moment, sort of a lot of risk and compliance and governance professionals are kind of like policemen. And they've got to get out of the policeman mode because otherwise they're seen as an enemy. Um, and you've seen this, you know, a lot, you know. We all have. Um, we were doing a, a, a large program on with the risk uh, and compliance professionals in one of the big four not long ago, worldwide. And one of the things that we found is that they felt their job was to police. And of course it is to a certain extent, but you can only really uh, police in that kind of circumstance if the partners, if the uh, directors, if the CEO or whatever, sees you as an ally. So you have to say, okay, um, how can I meet their needs and at the same time meet mine? How can we have that meeting of need? And that's the trick. You know, I'd love your view on it, but that, that's, you know. No, I, and I think that sort of goes with some of the things that we, myself and Naomi, had discussed on previous podcasts, you know, that sort of that core element mm. and you know based on what you've said you know having ASIC at the ASIC forum talk about their new regulatory toolkit and the why not litigate question 
it sounds like that will have no impact whatsoever on the way organizations are already going. That's right. Uh, so, I guess, knowing that ASIC is there, knowing that, you know, the compliance professional, well, the compliance professional knowing that they have to find a way to get this job done. Sure. Um, what are, I guess, the question is, why not find another job? <laughs> well, I, I, I think I think, yeah. I think there's two things. One, yeah. that there aren't that many jobs out there. <laughs> to be brutally honest, that, that's, that's one of the first things. Um, but I think the other thing is that, that we have to think through, you have to think one step back. Um, one of the problems is that, that the banks realize, the big banks realize that they are in a, a, a lose-lose situation. They're going through this tortuous process of making themselves into something which they've never been before. And this means getting rid of whole areas of the bank, conventional banking. They want to get rid of it. They want to get rid of branches. Uh, they want to get rid of, of whole departments. They want to say, say, look, we want to be a digital bank, right? Um, and so therefore, they're kind of trying to find their way in that. And this means incredible disruption within the bank. Uh, it means incredible disruption in the terms of the rules and roles and rituals, if you like, which underpin the bank. You know, And so everyone's lost. And I see this so often in... Um, in sort of not only just the, the huge banks, we work with them uh, in Australia and in the United States and in Britain, uh, not only just in the huge banks, but in sort of, you know, other uh, institutions, mortgage and so on and so forth, lenders, um, non-bank lenders, all of these are trying to find uh, to be something different. And I think the the there's a huge opportunity there in sort of putting on the brakes and saying, wait a minute, what are we throwing out? Right, yeah. Um, it, it's funny that you said that. Um, the Taz, Taz, which is a technology company, they did a sort of a survey amongst um, a number of financial institutions. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one was specifically focused on insurance companies. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they said that they were focusing on more was sort of that innovative approach, that technology approach. But what I was concerned about when I'd seen the report was that the compliance and the culture and the conduct was like this really small percentage on Absolutely. the bar. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, they're saying, um, in a sense, what uh, a lot of the big financial institutions, the sort of AMP is another glorious example, um, are trying to say is, look, we want 100% market share, but we don't want any people. So we don't care about culture because a, a computer doesn't have culture. You know, a, a computer will just do whatever we tell it to. Um, so let's digitize everything. Let's get rid of people. There are people working in the big banks now. Um, in at least two of them that I know of, who know that their jobs are going to disappear um, within a very short space of time, relatively. Uh, and yet they're being pushed to, to digitize further, even though they know that this, it rather reminds me of the capos in, in, in the, uh, in, in, um, the uh, concentration camps. You know, they know that they've got, they're gonna be killed sooner or later 
probably sooner rather than later, and yet they have to, in order to survive, even for those extra days. And that, that's sort of way over the top as an, as, as an example, but it kind of is that, that's what's happening. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because on the other hand, you're having all these other new standards and regulations potentially coming through. And one, for example, that I thought was interesting um, was that climate change um, disclosure, like I guess the financial disclosure that yeah, comes yeah. out of climate change. But if you can't even have that conversation about those basic elements of those culture and conduct, yeah. how are you going to get a conversation about climate change related risks up to the board? But that's exactly right. And what what attention is the board going to give it? Yeah. You know, when it gets to the board, you know, they'll find, they'll say, oh, what can we give to the press? You know, or, or to the media. You know, how can we prevent um, people jumping on us, saying that we have, we're not take, taking any account of climate change? Uh, what can we say? Not co- what, what we can we do, what can we say? Right. Well, we've spoken a lot about a lot of doom and gloom. It looks pretty bleak, but, but I'm sure. I don't think so. <laughs> you see, this is the thing. Yeah. You know, I'm an eternal optimist. Okay. Um, as a scientist, I have to be an eternal optimist, you know. Um, and I think that, that what's going to happen, and you see it in some industries already, you're seeing it in the legal industry, uh, just beginning. Uh, you're seeing it in. Um, uh, uh, you'll see it in banking. You'll see it in a whole lot of industries. You're seeing it in in in. Um, uh, the, do you remember the idea? Uh, it still is that that there's going to be no uh, more uh, jobs for taxi drivers. There's going to be no more jobs for for. Uh, truck drivers, there's going to be no more jobs for any of these people because digitization and automatic cars are going to take, a, take it all away. This is the, the fundamental uh, premise upon which Uber is based uh, and Lyft and, and the rest of them. Um, but you know what we're seeing uh, is people turning back and wanting that, that human-to-human relationship. You know, they're getting a bit sick of, of Facebook. They're getting a bit sick of everything being digitized. And they're saying, I want a human being. I want to talk to a human being about my, uh, my insurance. I want to talk to a human being about my banking. I want to talk to a human being about my legal problems. And I think that, that uh, as that goes, then you'll have a greater... Uh, Oh, increase in understanding about what risk and and, um, and compliance people do. Once people see that that that, look, um, it's not about digitization; it's about human to human contact, because this is what human beings are are all about. So we're we're going to go back to that, not in the way it was, of course, because sort of you can't get rid of digitization, you can't get rid of automation, you can't get rid of AI, but you can modify it to make it human. And I think that, and I think there's a huge future for what we now call uh, risk and compliance and governance. It won't be risk and compliance and and governance. 
but it will be a new way in which you integrate with the organization. You know, it'll be it'll be new, it'll be based upon your ability to have a uh, a relationship with 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 your peers and with your supervisors and everything else, which is mutually supportive, mutually reinforcing. It's going to take some time to work out, but I think in the future, uh, it's a different profession. But it's a more vital profession than it's ever been before. Man. If that makes sense. No, it does. It does make sense. And one of the things that we are seeing, and one of the things that came out of the ASIC forum, um, is this, I guess, the use of regulator- regulatory technology Ooh. by risk and compliance professionals, allowing them to move away from doing all the administrative sort of front-facing work and allowing them to actually do the yes, risk and compliance yes, aspect. Yes, of it. yes, So I can see what you're saying come out of that because now they have more time to deal with people on a yes. level instead of hidden in a room but trying to figure right. out. But yeah. that's right. Yeah. They've got to realize that, 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 that compliance and regulation and all of that is es- essentially... Uh, the business of human relationships. And once you bring it down to that, then there's a whole new career and a whole new way of looking at things. And that is the future for many, many organizations as they go away from... The, you know, the ones that are going to win are not the ones that are going to uh, digitize to the bottom. They'll all go bust. You know? um, but the ones that say, no, wait a minute, I'll let them all do that. I'll go back and have a, a person-to-person relationship business. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, we're coming finally to the end of the podcast. As a what a lot pity! <laughs> I was enjoying this. <laughs> we could probably have a part two. Um, so, I guess you know, like to leave our members with a bit of tidbits, a bit of advice. Um, so, what advice do you have for risk and compliance professionals who are really trying to figure out how to just do their job okay, in this look, environment? I think. That, that if you look at the future and if you look at, at, at the present, what can we do differently? I think that they have to say, okay, we're in the relationship business. We can get people to, to comply, providing that, that we form the kind of relationship which is mutually supportive with them. People will do basically what you want them to do, providing that they feel that that will benefit a, a supportive relationship. So, so long as you show that you can give them relational support, that you have their back in some way, uh, then they'll do what's required in order to maintain and strengthen that relationship. So, therefore, you have to say, going forward, I am not in the ticking the box business. I am in the relationship forming and sustaining business. And that, that's, that's the way forward. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Bob. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to the GRC Professional Podcast. This podcast was produced by the GRC Institute and the original music was written by Rob Neary.